today I have three special guests. One of them is only half with us. So <laughs> well, let's make the quick introduction here uh, with the people who are actually present. Um, who wants to go first? Brett, who are you? You know, I'm Brett. I'm a future lawyer. Um, went to high school with you guys. John for two years only. Uh, <laughs> I'm living Queens, you know. Pretty boring. Okay. And what is your particular uh, relationship to us? So you met Go- Gomez in school. Yes, met him in school two years, became better friends in college for sure, uh, you know, like during college. And then, Kevin, I've known you since seventh grade, same Correct. class, seven, five. And Dan kind of just was there, you know. Okay. <laughs> and then I've also known <laughs> our, our other in-person participants in seventh grade as well. Quick intro for you. Right. My name is Daniel Wang. I'm a aspiring physician in my third year of medical school at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Uh, yeah, I knew Kevin since high up. Uh, I guess yeah, middle school, high school. Brett, same thing at Hunter, and also Gomez. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good to be here. Okay. And then we also have uh, a third participant. Uh, my name is John John Wong. I'm not there right now, but I'm uh, in the office, actually. And I know these guys since middle school. And, yeah, I like to play poker. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping the gun. Thank you for Um, sharing, John. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, these three people are are brought together by a common love for something. And I think that is the... The, the urge and the impulse to, to gamble, right? We're all, and we're all degenerates. Yeah, can we point out that we're doing this podcast at one thirty on a Wednesday? How degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as degenerates, we're, during the workday, we're in uh, a very staid, like, workplace, basically my office, um, <laughs> where people are, like, you know, putting together numbers and, like, making plans for their lives and making plans for their companies. We're going to talk about putting everything on the line and just leaving it to chance, so... Today's podcast is going to be about gambling. Um, so if uh, I, I think one person has a, a more unique perspective on gambling because he's more diverse in terms of how he does it, and I think that person is Brett Weinstein. So, Brett, what is your relationship with gambling, and what are the, all the different forms you can toss a coin up in the air, man? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say, first of all, I hate my voice when it records, so I'm very upset that I'm doing this, but... I might not be able to listen to it afterwards. Uh, But yeah, I started off gambling because my grandfather loves it. Like he taught me how to gamble probably when I was like five or six years old. And yeah, ever since then, it's been like camp games, you know, just playing poker or war or Egyptian rats. I always loved cards. But then ever since I was a kid, I would get in trouble for like putting money on things that I couldn't afford. Like I didn't have an income when I was 10 years old, but it didn't stop me from gambling. (laughs) <laughs> on the uh, outcome of our soccer league, our f- our little league soccer league, I put $10 on it, and I lost. I was pretty sure the team was going to lose, and they didn't. And then on Monday, they came to collect, and my dad had to pay for me. So ever since then, it's been a complicated <laughs> relationship with losing money. You know, it sucks to lose money, but it feels really good to win money. So that's kind of my guiding principle when I gamble. I don't usually gamble high stakes, but I do love, you know, going to the casino once a month once every couple of months, playing some poker. I like playing craps. I like playing uh, blackjack. I like playing roulette. I'm pretty varied with what I do. Not really so much slots. I know a lot of people like slots. Um, 
But you're pretty varied in terms of how you gamble. I, yeah. I actually have no disposition to gamble at all. So, mm-hmm. like, growing up, I watched you three guys especially and then a bunch of other guys in our friend group gamble all the time and just sit over the poker table. Yeah. You, I mean, you'll gamble on anything. I flip a coin, I feel like you're going to be under True. the coin, like, True. making odds. So, like, what, what compel- what's so interesting about gambling to you that, you know, it's, it, it's yeah. not even about, oh, I like this sport, oh, I like this particular mm-hmm. game, but... You're just always involved in some way. What it's, is the disposition? It's Why competitiveness? You know, it's like I really. F- it feels really good to compete, and it feels better to win, obviously. But like the thrill of competing while you're gambling. So I love sports gambling also. And what happens when I sports gamble, which is like really fits my disposition, is th- there's a thing on DraftKings where like you can refresh the app every five seconds and see how you're doing compared to the rest of the fields that you're gambling against. And it's a very like junky like addict kind of mechanism because you see the it's like multiple bars and they move constantly throughout the day so like i'm refreshing that shit like constantly and i I just like as someone who gets like has an addictive personality it's really it's a thing you know i I just love doing it so i yeah it just fits who i am i guess i mean does it feel competitive when so much of it is not really under your control like usually when you compete it's like okay i'm getting my ability and i'm prepping myself to do the best that i can but Mm -hmm. Well, th- that's fair, but it's, like, it's not so much competition as it is, like, you know, being able to watch your progress. And when you, you, you're making the lineup, and that's, like, the competitive thing, but then you can't do anything about it, and so you're really just kind of, like, hoping. It's really fun, like, when you play roulette, for example, you're, like, you're putting your money on the different numbers, and then the ball starts rolling. And then that's, like, the best minute, because you're waiting for the ball to, like, pick a number, and you're, like, praying that it's your number, it's like that feeling of hope. You know, that really, really, it's, it's addicting to gamblers. It's like, especially, it's what, it's what happens when you go all in in poker. You, you put your chips in, and you don't know the outcome, but you're hoping so bad that it, you picked right. It's like, it's such a thrill. It's like a high. Also, the anticipation is yes, just like, oh, man. That's the word. Yeah. I want to feel that regardless of that the win. media. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let me pose a question to D-Wing and Gomez, who are more engaged in a more cerebral and potentially skill-based <laughs> game that doesn't involve wow, just waiting too, around. <laughs> I play poker, too. I mean, is that what drives you guys to play? Like, what is it for you guys? Well, what's in it when you guys... I think it's primarily poker for you guys, right? So, is that what drives you, or... You know, go, John? I think it's mostly outplaying your opponent and just beating them. You know, it's... Yeah, although there's luck involved in the game, there's a lot more strategy than most people think. And... And just the fact that you can outplay your opponents makes it fulfilling. And definitely winning money definitely helps. But mostly the competition aspect that I like. So it seems to be like the spirit of competition uh, that drives in one way or another. Dewing, would you re- does that resonate with you? Um, yeah, I think previously, yes. I think now when I do play, when I do have time, it's more of like an internal kind of thing for me at least uh and so like i guess i can go into a little bit about my philosophy with specifically poker um i think you can do a lot of like studying and a lot of just analysis of how to play hands how to like beat people at poker um but i think there's like an like an entirely separate field of like internal 
kind of like peace, control, emotional, kind of like not being compromised emotionally or, you know, in terms of temperament when you try to make the best decision. And I think for me, it's always about making the best decision. And actually, it's kind of like different, I guess, compared to Brett, where he enjoys a lot of like the hope and the, I guess, excitement of not knowing the outcome. For me, it's decreasing that as much as possible, like the feeling of hoping or the feeling of like feeling excited and just making the best decision and kind of just living with it. I guess, for example, um, if you're playing poker and you do go all in, uh, of course, you're going to lose some percentage of the time, but you're trying to make that decision that lets you win like 51% of the time, right? And that's the best decision. And so the reason I play now is kind of to always just make the best decision in any circumstance, the you know, irrespective of who I'm playing against. And I think that kind of just relates to, I guess, life in general, where you try to make the most optimal decisions with the information you currently have, which is oftentimes incomplete. Um, and yeah, so it's like uh, like a ba- like kind of a combination of that plus, um, yeah, being like emotionally, you know, stable and confident. And yeah, you lo- maybe you lose like, you know, depending on how much you're playing for like thousands of dollars, um, just being fine with that because, you know, yeah, it's gambling. At the end of the day, it's gambling. So, yeah. And you want to beat your opponents. That feels really good, too. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think you can study game theory where you're making the most optimal decisions. And over time, over these large sample sizes, you're going to be ending up a winning player. I don't think... Like, Brett sometimes put emotion into into his into his plays. But I think if you, if you just know game theory, you just... Over time, you're going to be a winning player. And I don't, I don't think you should have emotion be impacting your decisions. It should be all... Like, poker's all numbers. Like, you know, how what's the percentage of hitting a flush or a straight, you know. And you play off those numbers. And, like, based off those percentages, <clears throat> how much money you're expected to win or expected or how much money you're risking. And with those numbers, you can always make the most optimal decision. And with that, you can, once you know that, you can be a winning player, in my opinion. No, I agree with that, but is that why you like it? Do you like it because of the numbers, or do you like it because you're outmaneuvering people? Both. It's okay. it's also, like, first you got to know the numbers, but then once, I feel like nowadays, most people know the numbers. So once you know the numbers, you're going to try to outplay your opponents, both knowing the same knowledge, stuff like that. It's kind of just thinking, like, more steps ahead, you know, than your opponent which is similar to, I think, chess. Poker is very similar to chess. A lot of chess players become poker players. A lot of poker players are, were once good at chess. And both games, you need to notice patterns, you know, kind of uh, think steps ahead of your opponent, So, which is why I, I enjoy poker as much as I enjoy chess. I feel like a lot of players at 1-2 still don't know the numbers, though. Well, I guess, I guess your, your typical 1-2 player doesn't know the numbers, but... I guess we should, move we, should up. Tell, we should say what 1-2 is. 1-2 is like the lowest stakes you can play pretty much at a casino. Yeah, 1-2 so no is basically the yeah. $1, $1 small blind, $2 big blind. That's pretty much the smallest game you can play in uh, in a casino. Yeah, and those that's a cash game, and you can also play tournaments, which I do sometimes. But um, yeah, 1-2, it's like the we call them fish. Like a lot of really bad players go 
and play. Right. That's, <laughs> that's why we play, because we're all yeah. Yeah, I, I, I am sometimes a fish, but I, I am by no means a shark, as uh, Dan and John have become. I mean, I, I get the feeling that poker players are, like, very competitive, and, like, like Gomez says, or John says, uh, like, the... You're always concerned about the numbers. Like you have a general base knowledge of well, the I don't numbers. Know if you are. It's like right. Th- I mean, the good ones are for sure. But like the ones that we play against a lot of times, or me and John at least, Dan usually plays higher stakes. But um, they're like so bad. They just are like people who wander in. They're drunk. Like it, that, it'll often be the case. Like I'd say thirty percent sometimes. Why is it that poker? Because I've heard this from you guys, and I've heard this from Alex Trebit too. Like just mm-hmm. like drunk guys walking in to play poker. Poker to me, like when I see that game compared to like doing slots or anything else, it's like yeah. it's skill based. There's like an order to it. You're not simply just pulling a lever. It's very much more like a traditional orderly sort of strategy that you have to apply to it. So I wonder why drunk people just end up wandering over there. Is it because it's very common? Is it because well, there's some kind of respect casino, to it? So. What? I think there's everywhere. drunk people everywhere in the casino. So well, you're going to find drunk people like, everywhere. If you understand how to play poker there's a chance that you win it's like you don't have to be good at it to win money like let's say you get really lucky for some reason you can like have a really good day and win like a lot of money it's it's the thing is over time you're not going to win a lot of money if you make the wrong decisions which is what they're saying and i agree with that for sure Um, and i try to order my play in that way also if i can um but like the people who are playing like if you're going to a casino once every year for example you wander and you play poker maybe you'll win hundred dollars because you got lucky and got like a lot of good cards it's like the variance of how they deal out the cards it's like if you sit there for like an hour or two you might get really good cards in that hour or two and get really lucky and win that's why like it's, yeah. it's not it's not unheard of and it's actually not probably rare to be bad at poker and win mm-hmm. yeah i think that's i think that's one of the differences between something like poker and like chess is that your outcomes are the variance is much more um large uh irrespective of people's skill caps so if i play someone who is like completely like that i just teach poker yesterday um my edge against that player is like at max like 10 percent more wins or like five to ten percent more wins just because um the edge for this kind of a game is very small that's why a lot of people when they go play competitively for poker um they're concerned about like rake and stuff and rake basically is uh, how much money the casino takes from the pot uh, once everyone is like putting in money for the game because the casino doesn't isn't one of the players they just take a percentage of the pot and depending on the rake which is like oh we'll take like five dollars from the pot or something um, that really eats into your edge against like your opponents um, so like yeah like I can play like a random drunk person and I'll lose like forty percent of the time which is not a you know, it's not like I have like a 90, 90%, 10% edge over people. And like, no yes, one has that do, edge. Yes, you do, Dan. Yes, you do. No one has that. It's like crazy. It's like professional, <laughs> professional players, like they like survive on like a 60, 40 edge against their, their opponents. And that's like, you know, it's, it's, that's why being a professional poker player is like, it's, it's a sucky career. It's like, you have to like keep grinding. And some days you just like lose hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's part of the variance that exists. So that's why, you know, I think a lot of people who are drunk and stuff, they're like, they know they're like not, maybe not as good, but like you're going to win like a lot of the time still, even if you're not good. So, you know, except that one guy that was cheating. He had, a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell yeah, me that story. That. I, I looked into it a little bit, but you should tell that story. Yeah. I is, mean, it, we, is it the guy who was cheating on the live stream? Yeah. yeah I read yeah, half yeah. of that article yesterday. Okay. Let's hear it. I want to hear from you guys as guys who are in this world. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, there's, not, there's nothing more. There's nothing part of the story. Just he cheated. He he knows everyone's cards. I don't think there's much of a story to it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just he, there's some relationship you know. between like this guy named Mike Postal. He like there's a lot of allegations and probably true allegations about him being able to see the whole cards, basically the two cards that everyone's dealt on the live stream. And we don't know if, if it's just him, if it's like him and like the the commentators, if it's him and the entire casino, what the exact thing is, but like just a lot of fishy things going on. And this guy has made like over six figures playing against people, like people who thought this was like legitimate poker. And that's kind of just fucked up because it's like, you thought this game was, you know, fair, and you're putting your money on the line, and this guy's just overtly almost cheating and w- making all this money. Um, and yeah, that's always like a, you know, whenever you go decide to go to like underground games or home games and stuff. Like I remember at Penn when I was playing poker with like the Penn Poker Club or whatever when I was in college, uh, there was like one or two people who came in and were like cheating, like us out of money. Oh yeah, my home game too. Someone like would like have the deck under the table and like organize it in a way that he would win and it was like fucked up yeah and so this stuff happens that's why you gotta you know protect yourself when you're gambling as well wait question what, what they do at Penn sorry oh uh, what they do I mean it was just this, like it's like when you invite players yeah. or like just un- like unknowns to yeah. games like that's why you don't invite unknowns to games because they can just come in like yeah. they can like have like you know some kind of device or mm-hmm. it, they could be when they're dealing because no one usually has like a professional dealer when they have home games when they're dealing they you know, sleight of hand stuff, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So that was, you know, apparent for like at least one or two players that have come to That's our crazy. games. Yeah. So your other question. Yeah. I mean, uh, how does this work with like the legality? I know it's like illegal to gamble or it's illegal to like, I can't just open up a casino in my home, right? <laughs> it's, it's complicated. So there's a lot of different regulatory areas within gambling. Yeah. It's like very segmented, which is weird. So New York City, you can have, there are casinos actually in New York City. They're like resorts, whatever. Um, in Long Island, and I think there's one in Queens also, but you can't have table games, which is like very strange. Like you can only have like video poker, video blackjack, um, and we all like table games. We like playing poker like at a table. Um, so it's complicated too because a lot of it is like a lot of the casinos you'll find are based in um, <clears throat> in uh, tribal land. So tribal areas are like you're able to have your own regulatory. Um, structures. So if, for example, Massachusetts said we can't have casinos, the tribal land is not technically within Massachusetts, so they can have their own casinos if they want to. And that's a lot of the casinos in the U.S. are, like, based in tribal land. And it's actually really, it makes a lot of money for, um, you know, like, Native Americans who need the money. They've had a lot of trouble. Um, But then the sports gambling landscape is actually really interesting also because last year there was a case that said... um, Essentially, every state is now free to make its own sports gambling, um, you know, legislation. So there's a difference between gambling on daily sports and gambling on, like, the outcomes of games. So, like, for example, on DraftKings, you can build a lineup of players, and that's, like, a daily fantasy team. It's, like, you know, a, it's similar to a yearly fantasy league where you, like, pick a season-long team of players. Um, and those are, like, completely different than if I walk into, like, a sports book, and I say, I want to pick the Patriots to win by 17 points. It's like a totally different um, legal... Why? I don't know. Um, Why do you think? I think it's because with the players, it's more... You can argue that it's more skill-based. Like, 
I am not going to know um, beforehand, like, the outcome of a game as much as I might know about the players. Because, like, the things you can do with um, analytics and daily fantasy and, like, season-long fantasy, it's like, I listen to podcasts, a lot of podcasts, and they're like, you know, they have this thing called air yards, which is, like, when a quarterback throws the ball, they're, like, throwing it a certain amount of yards, and they analyze which players are the recipients of air yards, and that's, like, a statistic. That can, there's so many statistics you can use to, like, look at which players are not doing well and should, and there's, like, a lot of different edges you can get, whereas, like, the odds makers in Vegas, it's, like, pretty hard to beat, generally. Like, they might screw up every once in a while, but it's, like, there's different ways they construct the, um, the odds and, like, the structures of the games. So it's, it's weird that it's regulated differently, but it is. So you're talking about, like, player performance versus, yes. like, game outcome? Yeah. So Should we, I pick up where I left off? Yeah, pick up where you left okay. off, Rev. No, yeah, it's just it's an interesting difference in regulatory environment. Um, so a lot of states now, like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, are legalizing sports betting. But so it's essentially they're allowing you to go into a casino or a sports book and on Sunday say, I want to pick the Patriots to beat the Redskins by 17 points. And I think that it... It's just, it's really interesting. It's going to change a lot probably in the next few decades because a lot of states haven't decided whether they want to legalize sports betting. It's still possible that Congress could say, you know, we don't like to allow any sports gambling. Um, and then sites like DraftKings have been in like a weird position because, so for example, New York State in the Constitution says something like, you can't gamble on sports. Um, and then, like, a judge essentially said that DraftKings doesn't count as – I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but DraftKings doesn't count as um, sports, and it's, like, they might technically be illegal in New York in the next few years. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been interesting thought. And the lawyers who do stuff for those companies actually get a lot of business. So possible future career goals. What do you think is going to happen with uh, the future of betting and its legality here? I read an interesting article on ESPN about it. Um, it's going to end up being where, like, the the leagues themselves are so embedded in the gambling world that, like, there's going to be, like, suites for people who gamble. So, like, I'm sure, like, DraftKings will start, like, sponsoring, you know, the DraftKings suite in fucking Madison Square Garden. So you're going there. You're, like, shelling out a ton of money just to, like, be able to watch the game in, like, like you know, high definition and, like, gamble on the game during the game. I think it's going to be complicated, too, as, like, we have to still make sure that you know the, the leagues aren't compromised. You don't want like high influence gamblers to, gamblers to be able to put in referees who you know cater the game to the gamblers' needs. It's it's got to be there's gotta, they got to work out ways to deal with that kind of thing. But I think it's going to be more of a booming business, and the leagues are going to be more involved. So for playing table games like poker, then you can't do that in New York City, right? Nope. No. So I, I think. Gomez and Dio, you guys have actually played like some home games around here, right? What's your experience been playing not legally? Um, What's it like? I mean, usually, well, my first time playing in like an underground table game, uh, usually they're on like Facebook or Craigslist. They're advertised as, you know, one, two or two, five games, basically the stakes. And you basically have to call or direct message someone and basically go through this entire like chain of people 
at which point they'll give you like a specific address or give you instructions. And for me, I, I showed up, I think somewhere in like Midtown in this kind of like shady ish apartment complex. It's all a little bit shady. I don't, I don't think any of these, you know, underground businesses or poker rings, um, you know, they're, they're, they're meant to be discreet and not draw attention. So, um, so once you get in, you see like all these people, it's really interesting seeing how it's basically a mix of like business people who are on like lunch break or, you know, random, you know, Asian youngsters who just want to gamble and like, you know, how many guns did you see? Sorry. How many guns did you see? Oh, guns. Um, Whoa, that's a cool. <laughs> you actually think I'm about to think how many if guns. I've seen guns. Honestly, like they're really like the ones that are good will have like all these security cameras on and you know, there might be like one bar like waitress who like takes people's like orders for like drinks and stuff, but otherwise people try to run like a pretty tight business. Like Sounds all like the that. all the windows are like covered. Um there are like dealers. Um there's always like a kind of a shady feel to it, but I mean that's what you're kind of like asking for anyways. Do you feel like your ability to win is compromised by the shadiness or is it just No, like, it's yeah. just that their rake is ridiculous. Yeah, true. It's yeah. like a like a, in terms of how much money they're taking from the pot, it's like exorbitant amounts just because they're, you know, running this operation themselves. It's not like they're a casino who can front the costs of, you know, doing this. So, and people know that, and that's why they still come cuz they don't want to take like a 2 to 3 hour bus ride to Foxwoods or something. Um, for them, you know, these guys are all like, you know, at least for the businessmen, they're making like six, seven figures. They just want to play some poker with other businessmen or whoever. And the actual money exchanging isn't that big of a deal for them. So the, that really? is I think I, I, I disagree with that. I so, feel like there's not many businessmen in these games. At least the one I was at, there was like, uh, yeah. I only, I only went once, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my opinion is very informed. Obviously. I only went once, but everyone's like a degenerate there trying to make money. So, <laughs> Including you. Yeah. Well, I, I went there for fun. Yeah. During your lunch break. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm the youngsters that goes during your lunch break. Yeah. How, how different is it from like the games that like you would have at Penn or like you might have <laughs> with your friends? These private games. They're, I mean, they're, you know, they're private games, right? It's like. You know, at Penn as well, it's not always going to be, like, your closest friends. It might be other people in the Penn community. This is other people in the New York City community. What makes it so much shadier that has it stand out? It's still about money, right? I mean, yeah. I've never played one of these games, but I think a major difference is the risk of getting busted. Right? Like, do you ever do you have that feeling now? I mean, it's... I think it's just the environment. You're not at, like, a casino. Yeah, you're true. literally in, like... You're literally, like, in a house, no, but versus usually. Like a home, versus, like, a home game, like a tournament that you play at your friends. Well, I think the biggest thing is that you're not playing with... Usually you're playing with some friends. Yeah, in these yeah. games, it's like all these people. It's like a weird mix of like random strangers plus like a dealer who may or may not even be like an official dealer. They're just like one of the people who runs the game. Right, right. And like they still use they they'll use like chips. They'll use like you know they'll have like a legit table. So it has like a feel like a casino mm-hmm. feel to it. But you're in like somebody's apartment, and like the waitress is like somebody's friend and it's like, like someone's sister yeah and then there's like only like you know a couple of feet away are like all these security cameras like watching the outside doors that's crazy it's like yeah so who, who are the typical characters you might see i've heard a couple of characters right it's like you have like your fish 
right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you probably have less fish at these who, games. Who, yeah, who are the characters, and does it differ by the type of venue? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, John, you can probably speak to the characters. Yeah, run down the list. Well, in, in Foxwoods, I feel like all the, the majority of the players are 65-plus-year-olds. Well, first of all, what is Foxwoods? Thank you, yeah. It's a casino in Connecticut. <laughs> his spot, his spot, and my spot, it's, too. It's, it's my spot. It's a nice spot. It's like two and a half hours, two <clears throat> hours, four minutes away. That, that, the one downside is it's so far. Otherwise, I would go, like, every weekend, you know? They have a great deal, though. With the bus? Yeah, it's a pretty good deal with the bus. It's like fifteen dollars for a bus, and you're getting like Both fifty, ways. sixty dollars of like play and free food. So it's like it's an awesome deal. Pays for know. itself. It's definitely worth it, but it's just the only downside is it's really, really far. Yeah, you can kill six hours back and forth traveling. And that fucking video they play on the bus. Well, this is in Chinese, so it sucks for <laughs> you. Yeah. No, it's just like, why do you need to play a video? What, what about? The aspect of going to a casino back and forth. Well, people maybe want to, want to watch their Chinese drama or something, yeah? There's nothing wrong with that. I guess, but you have a phone! Well, the 65-year-olds don't have phones. God damn yeah. it. So do you like this crowd? Do you like playing with this crowd? Because already it seems like you're a very different type of person. <laughs> what, are you asking Brad or what? I mean, either of you guys. Like, Do you like playing? Like, What are the types of guys that show up at Foxwoods? And are these your favorite folks to gamble with? Yeah, considering what you this. like out of they gambling have, they have one style of play they're just very they only play the best hands so, you know just, if, they, if they bet you know they have, they have a good hand you know, other than that you know just take their money this is the older people we play yeah these are the older people yeah. they have like young hot shots like us <laughs> blazing the world setting it on fire yeah no I so I went to the casino two weeks ago um and I went to Parks in Pennsylvania. It was actually a two-hour drive, but there's no bus. So getting there is a little bit faster, but more difficult because there's no like, bus and we don't drive as much. Uh, and I went at – I got there at 11.30 p.m. The crowd was, like, very degenerate. It was people who you could <laughs> like tell – What? Like, like me. You. Yeah, absolutely like me. Um, but it was people you could tell, like, really shouldn't have been gambling. Or, like, it was several people who, like – like their skin was fucked up, and like whoa, whoa, what does that have to do with uh... <laughs> no, just, no, like he he looked like he was spending his social security check. It was like, why uh, are you? Yeah, why are you here? Uh... Um, yeah, that's not my favorite person to gamble against because it feels really bad. But I think sometimes people get a little bit crazy late night. Um, so I watched this guy like, so going all in is like putting all your chips in the middle and like betting your entire stack. And he went all in without looking at his cards multiple times with, like, at least $60, $65, $70. And it was just funny, but it's just, like, that's the kind of card I want to play against because they're going to make the wrong decisions. They're going to uh, do the wrong things. I think playing against an older person, you get a little bit bored. Or I get bored sometimes. Like, they're very slow. So what makes a good table, then? What makes a good table for you guys? That's such a... Yeah. Fish, a lot of fish. I mean, it's like, what do you mean by good? If you mean, if you define good as you make a lot of money, then, yeah, it's like these kinds of players who are very predictable. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, they don't have to be old players. They can, like, well, I guess the best table would be, like, 
like nine people who are playing poker for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the best table. Don't know what the heck they're doing. Wait, I only get two cards? What yeah, is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's pretty funny. That sometimes happens. Like, there's, like, people oh, yeah. who just are learning, like, on the fly how to play poker. But sometimes the they table. always hit against me. I mean, that doesn't, I mean, that's just gambling. <laughs> I mean, it's like, a, you know, it doesn't, like, that's only the outcome for a lot of yeah, these things. No, it yeah. just doesn't matter. And you can't really attach your future decisions on, you know, your decision. Like, you can't, it's, uh, what is it called? The, uh, hindsight. It's not hindsight. It's like not a confirm, not confirmation bias. It's just like you know you can't base your decisions on outcomes really, because on these outcomes because it's gambling and there's a there's a luck involved and all that stuff. But um, yeah, like, like if you want to play against like good competition, like that's not the best way to make money, obviously. But it's probably more fun, more cerebral. Um, you probably find these people more at like higher stakes, um, playing for much more money. Um, but yeah, like at least I think for all three of us, we're not at a point in our career where we want to gamble like, uh, like over like ten thousand dollars on like single hands, really. Maybe in the future, but yeah. So I think we're kind of like it's not like we're choosing our clientele per se, even just because the people who play at our stakes are the same people who is like how much we're you know comfortable devoting to gambling, really. So is there any like camaraderie at the table? Is any of that important? at all it's a very individual game like you're trying to make money and you're trying to compete but you're also like sitting around the table for quite some time with a bunch of people Um, that's a weird dynamic i personally find it difficult to have camaraderie because i'm like trying to focus i'm trying to win my money you know focus on what people are doing and like try to understand the decisions they're making um, but I did, I played in Australia actually when I was there in August. Can you stop playing? Like you're, you're on vacation. They have famous casinos and I wanted to see what they were like. <laughs> um, I was with my mom, bro. What am I going to do at 11 PM? Uh, so <laughs> I went and I played, they have a stakes that is so low. It's like, it was, it's one, two Australian dollars. So it's like 75 cents a dollar 50 American. And the max buy-in was a hundred Australian dollars. So that's like 60 American. Uh, and it was just like people who had never really played poker. They were just there to have a good time. And it was hilarious. Like this guy next to me kept showing me his cards, which is like the stupidest thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he was so funny. He kept making jokes about like what he was doing. And like it, it, it was really interesting. Um, but I find it difficult in general. This so. seems like a man who's most interested in the camaraderie aspects of the game. No, no. Oh, that guy. That yeah, guy. Yeah, no. He, but no, he was trying to win money for <clears throat> sure. He talked about how he was there a lot and like would stay past 12 and his girlfriend would get mad at him i don't know but for example someone like david campbell who we all know he uh will go to the casino sit down at the table and start talking immediately like, <laughs> people like especially people in finance they love to go to casinos and just like t- chat it up and like tell everyone oh my god yeah how wait doing so you play at higher stakes than, than these guys right I used to in, like, California and stuff when I was working. How much does the game change when you're not paying, you know, going for, like, ones and twos or... Oh, um, I mean, it's just, like, you're you're usually not seeing as many, like, super old people. Um, Like, the highest stakes I've ever played was, like, 510, which is, like, $5, $10. And so, like, the buy-ins for those are, like, can be upwards of, like... So one buy-in, how much you're putting on the table can be, like, from, like, two to $5,000 at a time. Um, or even more, um, and yeah, like at that point, like like even when I was playing those sticks, I wasn't comfortable, like making the best decisions. Which is like, that's like the number one rule for poker is like you always want to play with money that you're comfortable losing. It's like actually that's like the rule for gambling. Like you want to 
play with money that you're comfortable losing. It's like, it's almost like you're gambling. Like the money you're playing for is the price of admission to gamble. So, so anyways, like these kind of games, like people are definitely like thinking more. There are also people who still are like just gambling, but um, there, I think it's a little more cerebral. Like there is, I think just in general, more emotional attachment to money because it's more money. A lot of times when you're playing lower stakes, it's like, oh, it's $75, like whatever, like sure, go all in, whatever. But then, like, you know, when you're playing for thousands of dollars or more, it's like you can put more people to the test to see if they're willing to make, like, hard decisions. And I think that's, like, you know, poker, a lot of poker is just seeing, putting people in tough spots, right? Like, oh, you might have a good hand, but, you know, is it good enough to put in another another $5,000 or whatever? And that's a lot of money. That's, like, you know, for some people that isn't. But for most people, that's, like... That's like a that's like rent. That's like you know that's real money. Um, yeah, because the way it works out, it's like maybe it is the right decision, but you know every four out of nine times it'll not work out. And yeah, exactly. Like, do you have the nine times to put in that five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Are you yet? comfortable like making the right decision and still losing forty percent of the time? Right. And for a lot of people, that's like a no. That's why you shouldn't play high stakes if you don't want to lose that money in the first place shouldn't play at all if you don't want to lose. I mean, yeah, if exactly. you're not comfortable losing. Yeah, exactly. You gotta... Like, if you feel like that's like, um, you know, how gambling kind of addiction kind of comes about is when you lose money and you have, like, an emotional attachment to that money, you want to win it back and you come back to the casino and you keep playing for money that you might not even be, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> not even be your money. Yeah. And that's how it kind of spirals down and it's a kind of dangerous thing. Um, that's why I will point out that's why being Jewish and gambling is a good combination because I have a strong attachment to my money and I don't like losing it (laughs) so when I do lose it it makes me really think about what I've I've done with my money and then I I, I head home and (laughs) ruminate ruminate on the losses I don't don't chase bad money as they say yeah is is there goal setting in gambling like to get to like I want to be able to consistently play like higher stakes because I'm sure you can just grind it out at a lower stake and you know, get the thrill or end up positive. So I'm wondering, like, is being at higher stakes, like, oh, my gosh, that's a goal of mine to play at that level? I think only if you're trying to do this for a living. If, other, if you're playing for fun, I don't think you need to go to higher stakes unless you just want to make more money. But I don't think it's like, a prestige of going into higher stakes, personally. <clears throat> For me, I, I expect to have a larger bankroll when I start working and oh, I've no. thought about it a little bit. I don't know. It's like I enjoy gambling at the lower stakes. I feel like gambling at the higher stakes might be fun, but if it's too stressful, I will stop. You know, I might try it just cause if I have the money to do it. It's probably too serious at the higher stakes. You need better players. You know, it's just not yeah, fun, yeah. Right? If, I mean, I don't know. I, again, I wouldn't be doing it professionally, so it wouldn't be long-term enough to probably see whether or not I'm good enough. But I'm obviously not, but... How's the gambling scene around here? You, you've mentioned a couple of casinos. Like there's parks in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. There's Foxwoods in Connecticut. There's Brett's Basement. <laughs> <laughs> no, I play, I play in the dining room, actually. <laughs> I mean, there's not, I mean I, at least in Baltimore, there's like a couple of casinos. There's like one that's only like a 15-minute drive away from me. That's that's, oh, that's allowed me to play poker while in that's school. That's a lot. I go every week. Allowed. Yeah. <laughs> there was a time where I was like going like every weekend. Or, it was so funny because I'd have pictures of me studying for my like med school exams while playing poker. Like just having my textbook out or my um, like a tablet out with like medical stuff. And it's funny because like the people on the table would, would see my stuff and be like, oh, like what do you do? Like what is that? And I'm like, oh, I'm a med student. 
and then then they start talking about like Grey's Anatomy and like <laughs> they're like oh like I have a can you can I ask you a question about like my foot and then oh my it, god it's a really it's really funny because and then without the foot they don't without the foot <laughs> that'd be bad um, but yeah like I'll study for my exams there like I tried doing that it did not work are yeah. you allowed to bring stuff on the table yeah, I feel yeah. like that's I mean, gotta be like a holy sanctuary you know no, no. like people have their oh, people phones. eat people get massages <laughs> yeah 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 you're definitely like, like you know hours right so you know people yeah do whatever really they want and um yeah i found not out whatever they want well not ever but like they, they, you can do a good number of things at the poker table uh i just i just find it funny that yeah like i, I study sometimes and like it's actually like you know i can studies because it's just like sometimes at the lower stakes it becomes kind of like mechanic what you what you're supposed to do yeah um and yeah like you know you're not usually when you're playing poker at least, like, for us, we're not playing for an hour and then leaving. It's, like, several hours, like, you know, at least for me, I'm, it's, for me, it's always at least five hours, um, sometimes as long as, like, 12 hours or 14 hours um, at the tables. Why? Uh, just because, you know, you're, if you think about it, you're not playing that many hands over time if you're, like, playing good hands or playing a certain number of hands, right, or range of hands. Um, and so you want to maximize how much you get to play and how much money you're making. So and it's not like, you know, you're going to the casino every day. Um, when you are there, you kind of want to maximize your playing time, right? So, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I, you know, John or Brett can talk more about it, but um, like a session is more than just like a couple of hands for sure. Do you guys feel the same way? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> yeah if, I were to, if I were to go to Foxwoods, I'd probably play nine ten hours because commutes three hours so you know i don't oh go God. there every week so if i do go i'm gonna play much longer than the average person i guess <clears throat> and also the way i'm trying to play at least i'm trying to understand i mean it doesn't end up working this way a lot but i try to take note of what people are doing at the table and so if they're still at the table i'm getting a sense and i'm like building a little bit of information about them and the longer i'm at the table with them the more i can sort of get a sense of what they're doing it's like when people play online poker, they have complicated databases of like specific players. So like the specific player, and it'll like have statistics about what that player is doing. And so you're not going to get that by sitting at a table for 12 hours, but you're going to get a sense of what the person does in like a general sense. You know what I mean? So it's like the more I start to learn about a person, the more I want to be at that table with them so I can like get an edge over them is my theory. doesn't always work, obviously, because like no two hand is the same. Like things are going to change obviously but how do you guys feel about online poker because you mentioned that i remember when i was younger right i used to play a lot of starcraft and the, the community site was team liquid there was a partner site i think it was called liquid poker and i like went on there a little bit and like lost the, your money the, the vocabulary they use is like i just don't understand what's going on but i remember the way they played is like they would have seven poker tables or like nine poker tables open at once yeah. and almost in the way that daniel's mentioning it's so mechanical that they're able to play those tables in the same way that you can play one table while you're studying. These guys are playing nine tables almost mechanically. How does that make you feel? Would you would, would that bring you nine times as much joy? Well, you know, it's illegal, right? <laughs> what? Online poker is illegal in almost every state. Oh. Including New York. Yeah, it's illegal. It's actually not illegal in New Jersey. So people, people will live in New Jersey just to online poker, play online poker. It's not illegal in Vegas and New Jersey. How attractive is that to you? 
to live in New Jersey. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we all know, like, we know. But, like, online poker. Oh, just, like, conceptually? Yeah, like, having, like, seven windows open and just, like, playing that many games, right? You can play five hours at, like, seven tables. Like, how great would that be? Well, there's no drive, right? So that's pretty nice. There's no um, drive, like, yeah. getting to the Yeah, you venue. can just log on whenever you want. Um, I mean, I like it. I, It's a different game. It's, like, there's much more statistics involved. There's those databases that I mentioned. Um, I would personally like it, but I have no involvement because it's illegal. How do you guys feel? Um, I played online for like a year or so in college, and it's yeah, I agree it's a very different environment. Like going to the casino, playing with actual people, talking to them, like playing with your chips physically, it's just an entirely different vibe. And playing online, uh, yeah, there's just a lot more math that you have to understand and a lot more kind of like there are a lot of like ancillary tools you can use online that are legal if it, you know if you know, you can play online poker that allow you to like track people's stats like how often they're betting how often like what size they're betting like you know their decision tree and like all these things that you can use that you know will help you make decisions but you know it won't you know it doesn't mean you'll always make the right decision if you're not using it right and so i used to like multi-table a little bit um and i was like making money i was like you know double tripling like my bankroll when i was playing but you're not playing like because you're playing many more hands just because like online poker it's like much faster um you know the amount of money you're playing for is usually smaller uh like people will, like the amount of skill that a person who plays one dollar two dollar casino is like equivalent to someone playing like five cent ten cent on like online poker and so for a lot of people, that's, like, not attractive because why would you play 5 cent, 10 cent online, right? There's, like, no, like, real risk or you're not really, you know, winning money. So the people who are playing online, it's usually, like, they're having, like, eight tables open. They're tracking, like, this, like, line chart graph of stats. They're, like, it's very, it's, it's much like more statistic. It's like that meme with the guy with the, you know, connecting the dots. I feel like you could spread your risk like that. Yeah, you can. And, and then that's why, like, for, like, that's, like, the gambling aspect. It's, like, almost, like, not as much gambling in online poker. It's, like, the difference between playing, like, I don't know, Brett, like, you you playing, you know, DraftKings and just, like, making decisions on that mm-hmm. versus you make, and I guess, versus you making, like, 10 Excel sheets yeah. and, like, running formulas on all Excel sheets and, right. like, doing all of that. Which people work. do. People do, right? But, yeah, and they win a lot of money. It's, yeah. like... The DraftKings edge is crazy. It's like it's gotten better apparently, but when it first started, it's like so many dudes were like, "Oh my god, I can gamble on daily fantasy." They'd like put in like a thousand dollars, something insane. Like I know a guy who did um, what's it called, uh, customer service for FanDuel, and he just had crazy stories about like <laughs> wives calling him, like, "My husband's lost twenty thousand dollars on the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> can you give it back?" And he's like, oh, "No, he gambled it." Uh, but it's like there'd be such an edge because people would just do a little bit of statistical analysis and like they'd get a sense of what other people are going to do and it'd be crazy, the edges. But How crazy have you guys gotten? In terms of losing money? In terms of losing gambling? money, in terms of wanting to gamble, in terms of spending a lot of time. I mean, this is like one of those vices that everyone traditionally quotes. You guys are talking about it like you got it under control. But I'm sure there are instances where it's <laughs> driven you crazy. Brett... I was worse as a kid, man. I didn't have money as a kid, and I would just put it on, like, random things, you know, the soccer leagues. Yeah, that example, you spent poker. somebody else's money for them. I did. I mean, I thought I was going to win, so I was like, oh, the worst I've gotten. I mean, 
John, you have any input on that? Mm, I don't. I never really have a urge to gamble. I just like to play poker. <laughs> the <Yeah>. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> Justifying it just by changing the language is like level one, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there are definitely times where I've been like, like I didn't have a good session or I didn't play well, and I'm like, I need to go back and like kind of prove to myself or, you know, like I can play well, but that's also just a way of being like, oh, I want to like go back and gamble more, basically. Like poker, yeah, there's skill, but again, like it's at the end of the day, it's all really gambling, and sure, you can like push your edges long term and you know win money uh but even then like you know there's a chance you won't just because you may never play that many hands ever in your life because it's all you need to play a lot of a lot of hands to really take advantage of like the law of large numbers etc so i've definitely had instances where i've had to uh kind of just get like, give, get like a reality check like you know talk to significant others about you know oh i feel this way about this and you know, just, like, have a better mindset about it. And I think, yeah, I think that was probably back when I was, like, working by myself and, you know, I had, like, disposable income. And I think now, like, I definitely have a more healthy relationship with poker, gambling, et cetera, and also just being financially responsible. Um, but, yeah, no, I've had, like, friends who, or, like, acquaintances who, yeah, have gone down, like, that the deep hole of, yeah. you know, just not being financially smart about gambling and it's i think it's like one of the worst honestly it's like you know with it's like gambling and like alcoholism like all these things are all like in some way connected like addiction and oh yeah that stuff like gambling is even in a way even worse because you hear about people who like gamble away like their money their family's money like their their living it's just very easy yeah. to do right it's very it's easy like you take out a loan it's it's bad um i will say us in new orleans dan was not good for me i uh Ran into Dan in New Orleans. We went to the casino. <laughs> At the I casino? Was staying, I was staying a block away from the casino. <laughs> I did not know before I went. Um, but I didn't go into it thinking it was a gambling vacation. And I ended up losing like six or $700. And that was way more than I thought How I has this affected your life? How has gambling, in a positive or negative way, you know, what are some of the effects that like engaging in poker, engaging in sports mm. betting, um, how has that affected your life? We're talking about it like it's a very isolated thing you do, but I feel like it's interwoven, mm. like what Daniel's saying. No, I mean, it, it takes time, um, but it's time that I enjoy spending. So it's like, if I don't mind going to the casino once every every once in a while, I don't, I mean, there's a problem if you lose too much money, obviously, but, and there's a problem if it affects your personal relationships, but it hasn't. Like, I was, I was in Atlantic City this weekend, actually, and uh, I was there with my boyfriend, my aunt, her boyfriend and two friends and we just went to the tables together and played and I actually ended up winning money but it didn't matter we were like having a good time I don't know if you have a good time gambling as long as you don't do it irresponsibly I don't know if it's a huge thing do you guys feel similarly um I think it's been overall positive for me just because it's given me a different way of thinking about decision making and like emotional stability like I almost wrote about mm -hmm. this in my med school apps like my oh, relationship with poker wow. Okay. Which would have been a very interesting hmm. essay. Um, but, no, I think I've, like, grown through it. I have, like, just, like, a better understanding of myself through poker. And also, like, you know, risking money in a way. And, like, nowadays I'm not going to spend, like, you know, every weekend playing or traveling to play. Just because 
like my time is kind of precious to me. Uh, you know, as a med student, you're studying and working a lot. On the weekends, I would rather just hang out with friends I haven't seen or, you know, grab dinner with someone as opposed to go play poker just because um, I don't see as much benefit, at least at this stage of my life from it. Maybe when I'm in my, like, 40s or something, um, one of my, like, goals is to either play in, like, a, you know, big-name tournament or go to, like, Macau and, like, just check that out just as, like, an experience. Um, but, yeah, right now it's not, like, a big deal for me. And I think overall it's been a, a good experience. Well, what, what would have gone into that uh, med school essay if you actually wrote that essay? Hmm. Would have gone into it? I mean, yeah, what would have gone in there? What are the insights? Like, poker is about a lot of things. It's, it, like, touches on, like, patience. Like, the patience to wait, the patience to make good decisions. It, t- it touches on, like, you know, not being results-oriented. That was a, that was a phrase I was thinking of, being results-oriented. Oh, yeah. It's about, like, trusting the process and letting the process get you somewhere, right? And I think that, like, in life, that's, like, oftentimes true. Like, you can't, you can't put so much emphasis on results because a lot of times that's just variance in life, like, not getting into schools, not getting a job, etc. Like, if you trust the process and if you, you know, if you know the process that you're going through is right or something that you've been working on, you know, that's like, you know, for example, besides poker, maybe um, maybe it's something like employment, like the process you go through in terms of preparing for jobs, preparing for interviews. If you've heard from friends and colleagues and your mentors that that's the right process, then at some point you're going to get a job just because you didn't get the first or second or even third one doesn't mean that you're not good enough, right? So I think a lot of those kind of life lessons really solidified through poker because it's yes it's just right it's right there it's like money and it's 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 taking percentages and and i think there's a lot a lot of life lessons you can learn if you kind of just you know apply it in different ways that's that's a good point because like a lot of times in life bad things are going to happen right Mm -hmm. and in poker a lot of times bad things happen but the thing about poker is that there's generally a right decision and a wrong decision and it's a good simulation for if you know what the right decision is and things still go badly, it's kind of like life, except in life you don't know what the right decision is, right? So yeah, yeah. bad things will happen all the time, and it's, it's, it's good to get a sense of what losing and what hardship feels like when you know what the right decision is because it, it's, you don't want to worry about that. In life, you, you don't want to worry about the bad thing happening. You want to worry about if you made the right decision or not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys don't work in finance, but, like, all these, like, finance firms, they'll have, like, poker tournaments and stuff, especially at Penn, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure Sig and all these guys showed up to the poker tournaments. Um, do you think that's, like, it's correlated? Do you think that it really is significant enough to use that game as a tool to assess people or be instructive in such a way that, you know, it leads to a, a, a productive career, for instance? Do you think it has that much of an effect or that much of a correlation? Well, the stock market's just gambling, right? It's like if you like putting your finances in things that move up and down, it's similar to poker. That's what I think. I think you have to like really get at why people make decisions. If you're talking about poker, yeah. kind of like when you're at like an interview for like Google, oftentimes they'll make you like whiteboard your decision making. They don't really care about the outcome as much as how you how you think about the, the outcome. Yeah. And similar in poker, like like a monkey could 
make a thousand dollars playing poker but if the monkey tries to as I have (laughs) (laughs) so like if Fred if Fred or the monkey explains to you exactly how he made the thousand dollars you might be sitting there being like huh like this guy just got really lucky or oh like this guy actually has like a thought process for how you know to make money in this game I think that's like you know why a lot of finance people you know play this game is do you have a process and a strategy that you've worked on that you've really put time into that long term will make you know the firm money or make you know whatever money and uh so i think it is useful and not just in finance but yeah as an example for me like in medicine um in other fields for sure gotcha gotcha any any other kind of last points on gambling that you think <clears throat> should be uh spread with the world i could tell that story what story so <laughs> I was sitting in Vegas. I can't remember what poker room. Vegas has so many poker rooms. It's kind of nice. You just walk between them and just find a good game. But mm-hmm. I was sitting at this table for probably like eight hours. It was a long day. And this one guy just like sat down, was like definitely drunk, bought a lot of chips, and was being really douchey. Like some people, when they play poker, are just so like obnoxious about it. Like they'll they'll just say, oh, They'll pretend like they don't know what they're doing, and then they'll flip over the best possible hand. It's like they'll they'll bait you, <laughs> and then they'll like they'll guffaw. They're like, "Huh, you should have known." It's like stupid shit. And then I saw him get the worst. Like he did that to one guy, and then a couple hands later, probably, um, he clearly had the best hand and like went all in. And the guy next to me called him, and the guy next to me got extremely lucky and took out the asshole, like won all of his money. And he was so upset and drunk that he started throwing chips at the guy. And the dealer was, like, trying to stop him. Like, the guy's like, I, I don't know. I just called. And, like, they had to call for security. got kicked out. It's just, like, main point of the story, when you're gambling, don't be an asshole. There's so many people who are just, like, so attached to their money or, like, drunk or just it's, – it's so wrong, like, to be around them. They just ruin it for everyone. Yeah. Anyway. Vegas. You got kicked out of the, tor- the room. It was kind of funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine it's like he didn't even like how do you find out how many chips he had? Because he like mixed they all mixed together. It was a shit show. <laughs> yeah. He was like trying not to lose money, probably. Yeah. I mean, I think poker's fun. I feel like I feel like it's fun to learn. Even if you don't put a cent into like online poker or go to the casino, I think it's a fun game to learn just like chess, just like, <clears throat> I don't know, League of Legends or any of those kind of games that require, you know, a lot of thinking. I think it's worth picking up and playing with friends. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, you can learn life lessons if you play enough. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Would you recommend it to people who don't, like me, who don't really care about gambling to begin with because of, you know, the lessons or experiences? Well, yeah, I have? think at the end of the day, uh, because you can boil down poker into both numbers and, like, decision making mm-hmm. if you're into like strategy and decision making and all these things then i think you'll like poker and i th- so i guess people who might not like it as much or might be people who might focus more on humanities or are more interested in like i don't know artistic expression or creativity even like there is creativity in poker but a lot of it is just like strategy flow charts making the best decision possible so if you're in- if you're into that then i think you will like poker but if you're really risk averse, you're not gonna like it either. Yeah, if you like, if, yeah, if you're risk averse, you also won't like it. But um, that's why, like, you can still like, you can still learn poker <laughs> and play it, even if 
you don't play for any money really even if you play for play money that is true mm, i don't i don't think that's fun at all <laughs> well, yeah. no, I, don't, I don't think we don't think it's fun but people could find it fun yeah people no who don't want to play no money way. <laughs> no <laughs> way. John yeah, I mean, I think it's a totally different game, right? Like, when oh, you're yeah. not playing for money, when you're playing for money, yeah. like, the whole logic tree of, like, decision-making just breaks down. Like, oh, I could toss out this hand just to find out more information. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But in the real world, it's like, okay, I just tossed out, like, one week's rent. <laughs> right? So yeah. yeah, don't do that, generally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing one-twos, man. You should. We'll, we'll teach you. We got some good teachers here. Not me. exciting. <laughs> like, who's actually good? Who would actually be instructive and good to learn from? D Wang, yes. Brett? I can, okay, so I actually. You're, I listen the, to this. you're just the salesman, right? You're no, not the I, I, listen, wow. <laughs> I listen to a podcast that has definitely improved my poker. Like, if you're a podcast listener and, like, you can deal with some, like, stupid shit on the podcast, listening to this one podcast for an hour every two weeks has made me much, like, smarter in terms of my decision making. Like, even just. How to think about hands has made me much better. Yeah, is doing... it much of poker? No, it's the post flop poker one. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I listen to that one too. But sometimes. Who's your favorite? Who's my favorite? Do you like Merv or Ben? Oh, the one who's <clears throat> like older sounding. Merv. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Gomez and Dewing, any, um, you know, what most helped your game as a final way to close this out? <clears throat> Being lucky is John's. Yeah. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. O- over time, you know, variance. You know, there's no variance, I guess. You know. You've had no variance. I mean, there's variance all the time, but if you play well, there's there's not, there's not going to be luck involved. I mean, you're going to be lucky once in a while, but you're going to be unlucky at times too. You know, there's no luck. I think the number one strategy is to fold preflop. <laughs> what? The- that's true. It's like the, that's, the, the that's first way to get better is to fold pre. Fold pre. Yeah. Fold pre. Fold pre. Not wrong. Fold pre. <laughs> it's funny because the professionals even like hard, have a hard time doing this. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Folding. Yeah. They want to play. They want to. You want to play? Yeah. yeah. They can yeah. to play hands. Like, that why are you folding like so many? <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yes. That's definitely the number one thing. If you are playing too many hands, you're gonna probably lose a lot. Um. Um. I guess. To get good at poker, you should learn the rules, and I guess just put yourself in, like, not, put yourself in easy spots. Like, I guess in life, you don't want to put yourself in, like, a between a rock and a hard place if you don't have to. Just, like, in poker, you can, you know, make fold easy, pre. yeah, fold prees. <laughs> that, that, that's one way to, to not get involved in very tough uh, situations that you're going to end up, like, sweating and being like, oh, my God, like, what do I do? Like, you just don't end up in these situations anyways. Like, there are ways to play where, you know, you can just play, like, very easily. Especially in, like, these low-state skate games. Um, so, you know, find a way, find a strategy that allows you to make easy decisions. Don't, like, try to chase hard decisions because you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. All right. D-Wing, Brent, Gomez, slash Jonathan. <laughs> they, thank so you for weird. joining me today. me to, like, one half the time for me to the other one half the time. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> are there actually four people on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> one in the jonathan and gomez are one in the same wow you should put that at the beginning <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to put that at the beginning anyway thank you i'm gonna hit record and uh stop this it's been real cool okay. thank you thanks bye Peace. bye